Welcome to the Wednesday, June 21st edition of the PFF Forecast. We have a great show. We're going to talk about some new player-level markets that uh, dropped this past week. So we're going to keep the betting train rolling. Some NFL uh, most receiving yards, most rookie receiving yards, and uh, most sacks for the upcoming season. So it'll be a good discussion there. We're also going to debut a somewhat new uh, segment. Conspiracy Corner is coming to the PFF forecast. It's betting related. You'll want to stay around and listen. And of course, we have more golf this week. It is the Travelers Championship. Um, interested in how many dollars Brad is betting on Ricky Fowler? Keep it going. It's going to be a great podcast. Let's rock. The Travelers Championship just doesn't quite have the same feel as the U.S. Open. But that U.S. Open, I don't know what it was. It it gave me, it's probably the most I've gotten excited about golf, either playing or watching in a non-Tiger-led tournament. I don't know why. It was a good leaderboard. I think we'll look back and think of Wyndham Clark, but there were a lot of the power names at the top throughout pretty much the entire weekend and actually within striking distance. And that's that's all you can ask for. Uh, yeah, the Traveler is not quite a major. It is one of the marquee events. It should have a good slate. I'm not really sure why they keep putting these marquee events the week after majors. These guys need time to kind of cool down and, and regather, but it's a good slate. So there should be some good betting opportunities, which we, of course, will get to in a little bit. Yeah, it'll be good. If you're uh, new to this podcast, welcome. It's great to have you. If you are a longtime listener, we appreciate you. Uh, if you are not yet a member of the Printing Press Jeez, uh, Discord, let me let me tell you right now is, is a good time to join. Um, it, it's the off season, so like betting opportunities when they when they come around, they're few and far between. But that is the place that you will find them. Great community of people that love betting and betting year round, um, and it's totally free. Every time I tell people about it, they're like, "Hey, is this how much is it going to cost?" It's like, dude, it's free. Just love betting on sports, and um, some really sharp folks in there as well. Uh, ben Brown is dropping WNBA heat on a daily basis. We've got golf, we've got baseball. Obviously, the NFL season heats up. Um, everyone in there will be very keen. Judo will be dropping same game parlays. So um, go go check it out. Uh, also, if you have not yet subscribed to our new YouTube channel, we split up the PFF uh, YouTube channels across the different podcasts. So go subscribe to the PFF forecast. That way, uh, when it comes time for the regular season, you're ready to go. You get all of the episodes delivered to you right away. And of course, if you enjoy the podcast, please go share it uh, with other people that enjoy sports, betting on them and uh, having a good time. Uh, it really helps us out. All right. Um, let's get into uh, some betting here. Uh, we've got three markets. Now, again, it's June. It's middle of June. We're going to do our best to continue providing good betting content. I know that it's very easy, Brad. It's very easy to fall into the rut of like literally just doing complete baloney during the off season. But we're gonna we're gonna limit the amount of baloney as much as we possibly can, and, and keep placing some bets um, as as we go here. Um, at some point, I do feel like like to be clear, Brad and I were considering whether we should draft, do a snake draft of which NFL players were most likely to have lost eight million dollars 
uh, betting on on sports last year, and we decided that was that the baloney meter was a little too high on that. That was a segment that yeah would be turned down by like Whitlock, like like the worst of, of commentators <laughs> would say that's that's too far to talk about. So yeah, we we trust me, we're grasping straws, but. I think they're they're trying to put us to sleep because there's some good markets out there that we can attack. So that's what we're doing every week on on the forecast. Yeah, it'll be good. Okay, where do you want to start? Which one do you want to go with first? Yeah, so DraftKings just released these three new markets that we're looking at and talking about. Uh, the first one here is the most regular season rookie receiving yards. So there have been some over-unders out there, some various different props. Uh, but this, you can just truly bet the market of who you think is going to lead the class um, in rookie receiving yards. Just to name a couple names, and I'll let you jump in here. So Jordan Addison, the favorite, plus 250. Jackson Smith and Jigba, 320. Quentin Johnson, 6-1. to one. Zay Flowers, 10-1. to one. There's the four first-rounders. Then you get Jonathan Mingo, 15-1. to one. Rasheed Rice, 18-1. to one. Dalton Kincaid, 20. Jaden Reed, Green Bay Packers, 25. I'll do a couple more. Jalen Hyatt, 25. Sam Laporta, tight end with the Lions, 28. Uh, and Tank Dell with the Houston Texans is 30 to 1. You didn't even mention uh, Jameer Gibbs. I guess he didn't make your, your cut at 35 to 1, which is which is a real shame. Um, uh, so, you know, thinking this through, uh, this was a – this is not, in my opinion, the the year to take – um, a favorite in this uh, situation. Um, you know, it just wasn't a super top heavy, um, you know, draft Jordan Addison. I can see why he's the favorite because you just say, well, he's going to get so many opportunities with, you know, being the guy across from Justin Jefferson, but I'd actually say something a little bit different there. Justin Jefferson is going to get a lot of attention from his quarterback. Like it's it's not like they're not going to throw to Justin Jefferson a million times because uh, by the way, they've already seen how this can work out poorly for them. If they don't feature their number one guy was Stephon Diggs. And then are we forgetting that TJ Grokinson is over there commanding target share as well? So I think this is a somewhat poorly priced market. I think in Jigba probably should be the favorite. He's the most talented out of this group. There's a natural, I think, place for him to play on a competitive team um, in the Seahawks with, you know, a decent quarterback. But again, I kind of go with, I think if you're taking either of those two, you're you're kind of a sucker. I would start with Zay Flowers at 10 to 1 uh, from, you know, Brad. I think it's just the place that makes the most sense. And, and here's why. A couple of things. So you look at the Baltimore Ravens and you go, okay, they've got OBJ coming in. How much do you really think OBJ is going to play this year? And then secondarily, you've got a team that's now going to throw the ball a little bit more with a much more dynamic passing offense. So I like Zay Flowers. I think he has the ability to get open. Um, I think that there's also, and maybe this is reading too much into it, but I just think he and Lamar are going to get along well, both from Florida. I think I, I see there being a connection there. Um, with Zay Flowers, I think he's a very talented uh, player and, and and we really liked him going to the draft. So that's the first one that comes to mind for me, Brad. I think the interesting thing you, you point out there is I think this entire market is priced on opportunity. And I think the the way I look at it is if this guy is as, is good enough to lead the class in receiving yards, he probably will steal someone's job anyway, right? So you talk about Zay Flowers, like Rashad Bateman coming off an injury, just had a second procedure recently, I think, to clean it up a little bit. You mentioned Otto Beckham Jr. Obviously, you can't really rely on him a ton. Obviously, Mark Andrews in the fold, but but like 
for him, for, for Quentin Johnston, I think kind of think the same thing. If you think he's the guy, if you like him at all in this market, then Keenan Allen and Mike Williams shouldn't scare you because if he's good enough to win the bet, he's probably going to steal one of those guys' jobs or just take a bunch of target share away from them. So, yeah, I see it the same way as you. I think I've kind of been this this way the whole offseason. The one favorite I would maybe consider is, is Johnston, more from a standpoint of the Chargers probably will just throw the ball a ton. Um, I think it applies to Rasheed Rice at 18-1 to 1 as well. But my two favorites are longer, longer bets. Uh, the first is Marvin Mims with the Denver Broncos. So another team, you got Corlin Sutton, you got Jerry Judy, you got Tim Patrick. Here's the thinking here. I don't know if we're going to be post-trade deadline and both of Jerry Judy and Corlin Sutton are going to be on the Denver Broncos based on how things go. So I think part of that is the equation here. Tim Patrick coming off the torn ACL. But then lastly, the Broncos traded their future third-round pick to Seattle to move up a, to- a ton to go get Marvin Mims. He is a perfect Russell Wilson receiver. He averaged over 20 yards a catch in college. He's that downfield threat. I think they're going to try to get him. Hey, look, it might not be a ton of targets, but maybe he pops off and has a couple huge games. The second one, you never really want to bet tight ends in this market, but Michael Meyer at 50 to 1 is interesting to me. I don't like the class much overall either. And I think the thinking here is he probably slipped because his ceiling is not that high, but his floor is pretty darn high. I mean, as a true freshman, the guy was was producing. So maybe you just get a bunch of six yard catches from Jimmy Garoppolo, but he steamrolls it into 700 yards and just kind of wins a, a low market in Las Vegas. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, you always got to have faith in. And Jimmy G. I'll give you one more. I really like the Marvin Mims one at 45 to one. Um, so I, I'm going to invest in that one here uh, after the podcast. But I give you one more and I want to kind of hear what you think about this because I look, we talked about Jalen Hyatt. So he goes to the, the New York Giants, Blitnikoff award winner. He's got speed. They have no weapons there in, in New York. I mean, if he can start on that team, I feel like he's got to get like a hundred targets because who else is is really getting targets there? Uh, what are your thoughts on Hyatt at twenty five million? No, I think it's a good shout. I mean, there's buzz coming out of camp about Paris Campbell who signed a one year flyer because he can't stay on the field. I like Wandell Robinson, but he's going to be hurt for probably you know all the reasons you just said. If Hyatt wins this bet, it's because he beat out all those dudes, um, and, and maybe he does. Yeah, and it just seems like there's there's a good amount of opportunity. Um, okay, let's go to uh, let's go to receptions next. So most regular season receptions. Um, this one also on uh, on DraftKings. Um, so favorite, not surprisingly, Cooper Cup five to one, Jamar Chase six to one, Justin Jefferson plus six fifty, Devonte is plus seven fifty, Tyreek Hill is eight to one, Travis Kelsey eleven to one, Stephon Diggs twelve to one. Austin Eckler is 20 to 1. DK Metcalf, 30 to 1. Ramondre Stevenson, 35 to 1. CD Lamb, 35 to 1. Amon Ross St. Brown, 35 to 1. TJ Hawkinson also, and so is Keenan Allen at 35 to 1. I don't know who allowed Austin Eckler to go this high, but the dude does catch a ton of a ton of balls. I just, this is kind of shocking to me. There's one that I love here. I have a feeling it's going to be the same one that you love, but I'll let you go first. I'm guessing it is. Uh, I won't say, okay, I'll just say one favorite that it's not your guy. I'll let you have your glory. And then I have a second no, one. No, no, that. No, so no, no. you, you can, right. you can have, you can have. All right. Sharing. So 
the sharing's caring. Hey, we, we win and lose the as a team here. So yeah. first one, I'll just say the biggest favorite I like. I'm not sure how Stefan Diggs is not top six in odds here at 12 to one. I mean, Gabe Davis is Marquez Valdez Scantling with better PR. The guy gets like four targets a game. They yeah, they added a rookie tight end and Dalton Kincaid, like doesn't really move the needle for me. You know, a couple other receivers in free agency um that, you know, I think are gonna play in the slot and, and not make have meaningful impacts on targets here. So, you know, I think Diggs makes it a lot of sense for one of those those upper echelon options. And then I come back to our guys. I mean, CD Lamb and Amon Ross St. Brown at 35 to 1. What is that price? Again, I'm like I'm looking at some of these numbers. I love DK Metcalf, he's not a volume receiver. Um, TJ Hawkinson, yes, he had the second most targets among tight ends last year after the trade deadline. He's a tight end. Um, and then you got running back sprinkled in, yada, yada. So, yeah, those two guys make no sense to me. If someone asked you what odds you would put in a head-to-head more receptions, CeeDee Lamb or Austin Eckler, what what price are, are you putting CeeDee Lamb at? I think I flipped the like yeah I'm CD Lamb like minus one forty if we're saying like a head debt like yeah <laughs> right that's my yeah. point like I, I do not I do not understand that as uh, really for the life of me I think I'm honoring St Brown just as interesting at thirty five uh, to one as CD is at thirty five to one uh, Judah talked about the target share that Amon Ross St Brown had when he was on the field I think in our last podcast. It's astronomical. And the thing that I don't think we can underscore maybe enough is James Williams is not going to be starting the season with the Lions. And if he comes in, you know, maybe he starts to to, to get some share there, but it's going to really give Amon Ross St. Brown some time to continue to establish there. He's such a hard worker. I don't think there's any doubt that he comes in fired up, you know, and, and ready to, to dominate there. We've talked about the CD uh, stuff kind of ad nauseum. I don't know which one of those I like better. I just know that the fact that they have the same odds as Ramondre Stevenson is an absolute slap in the face. It's a disgrace. And um, yeah, I would bet both those guys for, for a decent chunk of money. And I will be um, it's bananas. The, the other thing with digs and you were right to call this out is not only is there not a lot of competition, but Diggs is making it known that he wants some targets. So I I think they're going to appease him a little bit. Yeah, no, 100%. I, that has to be at least part of it. And, and honestly, yeah, the, the, the Ramondre might even be more offensive than the Eckler thing. Look, love Ramondre yeah. Stevenson, but he didn't have 107 catches like Eckler did last year. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't understand that one at all. It makes no, no sense whatsoever. Um, all right, we're going to get to sacks here in just a second, but uh, I don't know. Uh, this time, the timing of this is, is well well played. DraftKings um, is the place to go play best ball fantasy, and you may be thinking, "Oh, I didn't know that DraftKings had best ball fantasy." Why wouldn't they? They were the DFS are the DFS kings, so why would they not have best ball? Best ball, in case you're wondering, is all the fun of fantasy football, but just without the baloney of having to decide who to start, who to sit, who to pick up, all that stuff. So this year, go to best ball at DraftKings, and you could uh, win up to, or I guess not up to, but part of a $10 million guaranteed cash prize. That's ridiculous. Uh, The biggest best ball contests are happening at DraftKings right now. And here's the thing. Use promo code PFF. Get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars as soon as the draft is finished. Enter DraftKings Best Ball Millionaire Contest 
and snake draft your team for the season. It's so easy to do. You just draft. It's great prep for your actual fantasy drafts. And then you just sit back, relax, and watch some football. Teams with the most points at the end of the season will have a shot to take home $1 million top prize. So head to DraftKings app and sign up with promo code PFF. Remember, you can do this. This is not gambling. So if you play in one of those sites or one of those states where uh, they still have not figured out that uh, sports betting needs to be legal, you can still participate. If you have a gambling problem, call 100Gambler. One per customer, opt-in required with $10 entropy. Bonus is issued in 10DK dollars. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void were published. See DraftKings.com slash promotions. For details, it ends 7-14-23. Um, I, I did a really good job last week, Brad, of transitioning into a fantastic uh, ad read. I don't know that I'll be able to do that as well this this week, but I'm going to try just preparing you for that. I've got two that are coming up and uh, you guys will want to stay tuned. Before we do that, though, let's get to uh, let's get to some sacks, Brad. Yep. So they're also market now on DraftKings for just the most regular season sacks. I'll rattle off a couple of the top favorites again. Uh, Nick Bosa, eight to one. Miles Garrett, 10 to one. TJ Watt, 11. Aiden Hutchinson, 12. Hassan Reddick, 13, Micah Parsons, 14, Max Crosby, 18, Brian Burns, 18, Matthew Judon, 20, Chris Jones, 25, Joey Bosa, Daniil Hunter, Aaron Donald, all 30 to 1. Uh, and then the last chunk here, Von Miller, Khalil Mack, Chandler Jones, Cam Jordan, Alex Highsmith, and Jalen Phillips, all 35 to 1. This is a fun, this is a really fun market because when you think about you know, some of these other, there's so much data on, on receivers and all of that. You look at, at sacks and a lot of people are just going to be looking at the total number of sacks that players had last year, but there's obviously a lot more to it. Um, there's some things that you can look at in terms of who they're going to be facing in their division, the offensive tackles, the, or defensive, uh, sorry, offensive, um, uh, interior linemen and and the and the, and the quarterbacks that that they're facing, so I think there's a lot of really interesting kind of opportunities here. Um, you know, you look at the two favorites and and Bosa and and Miles Garrett, um, and I think rightfully so. I think there's a case to be made for putting Miles Garrett number one um, in, in terms of being the favorite here. Um, he had such a dominant season last year. Um, I think he was the highest graded. Um, uh, pass rusher at PFF. Um, but as I look kind of like further down, it, it really is interesting. I think there's a lot of value down the board. I believe you mentioned Jalen Phillips uh, a couple uh, of episodes ago. I think he's really intriguing um, at 35 to one. I think honestly, Josh Allen in Jacksonville at 50 to one is interesting given the type of players he's going to be facing against right this is one of the things you look at that division you get to play uh, a bunch of really crappy teams and quarterbacks are going to you know probably be struggling a little bit um over there in in the uh in the afc south plus ryan Tannehill. so i think that's a really interesting one as well but i'm curious brad where where your head goes here I'm with you 100%. I think the value is way down the board unless you want one of these favorites uh, i mean i just don't really get again Von Miller's coming off an ACL tear. He's probably going to miss time. Chandler Jones, 35 to 1. Why? Um, you know, a couple other ones that just don't make a whole lot of sense. So I do start kind of looking in that range you mentioned. Uh, I got the same odds as Josh Allen at 50 to 1. 
I should say quick pause too. When we talked about Will Anderson and his sack prop that we moved to half a sack, I think we got great value at under 8.75. It's now 8.25 every book I've seen. The thing I noticed when I was just studying the trend of who's leading these, these numbers, we got to have a good offense. You're probably thinking of, oh, you want a good defense to play around them or, oh, you want to be on a good team so mm -hmm. teams are throwing against you a lot. Detroit last year had more pass rush snaps than any other team of like a hundred, like, like Aiden Hutchinson's 12 yeah. to one on here. And he could be, you know, he could be a good bet. And we're not even saying his underlying metrics were great last year. They weren't, but the opportunity is just crazy. And to me, a guy that jumps out in that regard is Uchenin Wosu with the Seattle Seahawks at 50 to one. So I think Seattle's going to score a lot of points. And they are going to be a good offense. They're probably going to play a handful of games where they still need to score, um, even in a bad NFC. And then he was kind of playing by himself last year. So now you add in Derek Hall in the second round. You obviously signed Draymond Jones. You add more pieces around them. Hopefully the secondary can also get you some coverage sacks. Now that you go from Michael Jackson, uh, you know, opposite Tariq Wolin to Devin Witherspoon, I think maybe there's some value there at 50 to 1 um, on a guy like Uchenna and Wosu with the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, I like that. I think that the the good offense is a really good call out there, right? And like that was kind of my thesis with Josh Allen is their offense is good, but also relative to the teams they're playing, it's particularly good, right? And so you're in this situation where you know you're you're going to be able to um, have uh, you know a, a, you're facing a ton of passing plays, um, which uh, obviously you want if you're trying to pick up sacks. Are there any like deep, deep? Because I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to see Bosa or Garrett. You know, I guess not being in there, but it feels like every year there's some guy that just has kind of a a really good season. You're not totally prepared for it. Maybe they don't end up leading, you know, in sacks, but that they've got a shot. And anyone that's a super big long shot that that you would bet on. Yeah, there's two uh, 150 to one, which is about as as steep as it gets on here that are intriguing to me. Uh, they're both kind of injury guys. You just basically just bet on health and hope things work out for them. The first, Randy Gregory, um, obviously was great in Dallas the year before last, goes in free agency to Denver and then misses a decent chunk of time, but has had phenomenal underlying metrics for us for a couple of years, but play is like 500 snaps a season. And Marcus Davenport is the same thing, uh, also 150 to one. But I love him because... We saw last year, Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith both had 70-plus pressures, both had double-digit sacks because they fit that narrative. They were playing for a good offense with a bad defense, but they were facing, you know, because they won so many one-score games, opponents were throwing against them constantly. Um, so the opportunity was there. Maybe Davenport stays healthy, gets the same favorable situation, and 150-1 to one maybe isn't, isn't the worst value in the world. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on those. Um, speaking of good underlying metrics, this is something that you want to have when you're going out this summer. You want to have good underlying metrics, Brad. And what that means is, if you haven't already heard, it's a smooth sack summer. And what that means is having good underlying metrics, really, uh, is what we're talking about. So when you're playing in the summer sun, when you're going out to you know, the concert that you've been looking forward to, and it turns out there's a heat wave, the last thing you want is extra body hair. Okay. So uh, go to Manscaped, use promo code PFF, get 20% off manscaped.com and free shipping with that code PFF. A couple of things that you should go looking for. The performance package 4.0 has everything you need to prepare for that summer body that you've been carefully 
you know, meticulously preparing. Um, the Lawnmower 4.0 is a trimmer that features cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. I can attest, I use it. It's skin safe. Don't get carried away, but it's pretty skin safe. It's also got a long battery life, so you can travel with it. You're going to Ibiza for a week, okay, Ibiza. You can bring it with you. Uh, it also has a LED spotlight, which is important because you need to see where you're going. Um, the other thing that I'll mention, and this isn't even in the read, but I just use it myself, is um, the the beard trimmer, the facial beard trimmer. They've got a new one. It's really good. Comes with a lot of accessories. You got a ton of different options for how um, long you want the hair, and it comes with like this whole beard kit. So I really like it. I've started using it. Um, I wouldn't use it unless I, I truly did like it and uh, it's good stuff. So promo code PFF gets you 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Um, aside from their incredibly good ad reads, they also have a good product. I, I think you should go, uh, go check it out. How, how did I do with that transition? That was a flawless transition. Thank you. I, I, I honestly, I didn't know what I was going to do there. I was like, I'm not sure how I'm making this. And you said good underlying metrics and, and, you know, it's light bulb. You know, what's funny is that I was talking about, we were talking about a sack prop and I thought you were going to say, speaking of smooth sacks, it's smooth sack summer. So I even, there was, there was a lot going on there, but that, that crossed my mind as I was talking about it. That would have been too easy. And I, yeah. in full transparency, I'm just, you know, my brain, I, I'm a little too tired at the moment. It didn't come to me immediately, um, but it would have been too easy. I feel like that would have been, you know, I wouldn't have got the the credit I deserve for that. That's that's too easy. Um, maybe next time. Uh, let's let's do a little golf uh, before we get to conspiracy corner. Um, the Travelers is coming up. Um, this is again, this is a marquee event. Is that what our pr- premier event, whatever the hell they're calling it? Right? Is this another one of those? And it's happening after uh, uh, a major. I think the official term is elevated events. Yes. Yes. Elevated. Um, PGA tour just continues to, to knock it out of the park. Um, so the travel championship, an elevated event as we will, as we will now refer to it. Um, and it looks like there's a decent number of players that are playing because it's an elevated event. And I think that's ultimately why is that so many players take the week after a major off. And so those events end up getting just nobody playing in them. Um, and so I, th- I think that is why they make them uh, elevated events to like force the players to play. Um, so you've got, you know, Scheffler, Cantlay, Rahm, McElroy, Shoffley, Hovland, um, a, a good group here. Um, favorite is Scheffler. He's plus 650. Uh, maybe they, they think that he's going to figure out how to putt um, in, in a couple of days. Plus 165 to go top five, minus 115 to go top 10. Cantlay is actually the, the um, second Biggest favorite along with Rom, both are 11 to 1. Rory is 12 to 1. Xander, 14 to 1. Victor is 18 to 1. Colin Morikawa, 22. Finau, 28. Fleetwood, 35, along with Tom Kim, who just celebrated his was it, 21st birthday. I can't believe he's that young. Russell Hen- Henley, also 35 to 1. Group at 40 to 1. Uh, Fitzpatrick Matsuyama, 45. The U.S. Open champion, Wyndham Clark. Sungjae Im, Siwoo Kim, Ricky Fowler, and Max Homa. All right, Brad, what are you thinking in this one? Yep. So because of the thing we just talked about, I think maybe the 
coming off a major impacts, the true major contenders, look, obviously every player gets up for them, but I think more so the guys that are the top players in the world, the guys that know their career is going to be defined by the major wins, you know, the Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, you know, Ricky Fowler's uh, half kidding, you know, those guys are going to get even more up for it and maybe have even more of a letdown afterwards. So I'm kind of looking into the second market and then I have a long shot I like as well. So one guy who played well, who I mentioned last uh, last Monday, uh, is Siwoo Kim. So the big, big thing that matters here is accuracy off the tee. If you look at the you know at our friends at Data Golf, the kind of web of the course fit tool, the only thing here that has an outsized impact they view in strokes gained at this tournament is accuracy off the tee. It's massively out there in terms of its import, relative importance compared to the average PGA course. So you look for guys that are accurate off the tee and see what Kim jumps off the page. One of the more accurate drivers in court in golf this year, he's 50 to one on FanDuel, which also, uh, you know, data golf happens to find as a value. I tend to kind of ignore those a little bit, basically their odds compared to the board, the sports books odds. Um, but they, they also think it's a good bet uh, at 50 to one at FanDuel. One other guy is Aaron Ray, uh, who is 125 to one on BetMGM. Same thesis, played some good golf, been decent the last couple of tournaments, and is particularly accurate off the tee. So is a good fit in this event. Um, I, I think those are kind of a you know a second tier and a long shot guy I like in this tournament. Yeah, the the accuracy off the tee does not bode well for Wyndham Clark. Um, I would say, uh, even though he was pretty good. Um, you know, last last week at um, at the U.S. Open, it, it it's tough because you watch him play, and I would say that it feels a little a little like ah, he was living on the edge there, and he made some some up and downs that were really fantastic. Um, you know, to uh, to kind of keep himself in in the lead um, throughout really the tournament, uh, to be honest. And um, yeah, I, I think it's. Uh, I think it was a little bit, you know, uh, probably not not great for this uh, this particular tournament. Um, a couple here that I'm thinking about it, and yeah, the, the driving accuracy is is just such a big one. Um, you know, Tom Kim is a pretty accurate driver of the ball. Colin Morikawa as well, uh, generally pretty accurate. Um, you know, other guys that come to mind, uh, like from an accuracy perspective, like a Corey Connors, who's a really good ball striker. Um, you know, is generally pretty accurate um, with his drives, I think, are some some kind of options there, um, you know, from an accuracy perspective. To total driving, you know, distance combined with accuracy is a very um, stable metric. So I think it's an opportunity, you know, to go in and, and dive in and, and sort of pick some some long shots up, not just to win, but also to, you know, finish top five and, and top ten. You, know, you look at some of those other players that are kind of like really high up there. I mean, you obviously think of like a, uh, you know, a Zach Johnson, um, someone like that. So I think that is a, you know, a good call out is where you can find some value kind of further down the board, not necessarily to win, but to, um, you know, to be able to, to kind of place the TPC River Highlands, by the way, is what we're, uh, what we're talking about. Yep. No, I, I think it's a good shout as well that, that you should also just simply look at, um, you know, like last week, it was one of the widest fairways on tour. Yes, it was a tough, tough course, supposed to have thick, rough, all those things. But even on 18, Wyndham Clark basically like sliced the drive and it happened to find its way into the fairway. Um, I'm not sure it was indicative of, you know, his accuracy off the tee. So, yeah, got to look at all those things. He did not look like me at Harbortown. Let's just put it that way. 
Um, but you know, not, not everyone can, you know what I mean? Yeah. So tell me, you, you made reference to this earlier today, uh, about how well you played. You were on a golf trip. I'll give you the floor. Tell us, tell us how you played. Yeah. So we played uh, Atlantic Dunes and Harbor Town in Sea uh, Pines, North Carolina, or excuse me, South Carolina um, on Hilton Head Island. It was a wonderful trip. I guess the tan didn't really carry as much as I would like. I thought it would be glaring, you know, on the screen here. But uh, yeah, I think the thing is you get a reminder very quickly when you go to a Muni course in, you know, Queens, New York versus going to like beachfront property in Carolina, how different shooting like a low 80, mid 80s is. Um, on those courses versus when you go to a real place. But anyway, both courses were gorgeous. Honestly, if I was going to give a recommendation, Atlantic Dunes for half the price is a phenomenal value, but you do get why Harbor Town is Harbor Town. I now know what Bermuda grass means, uh, what it means that mm. your drives do not run in the fairway. They just plant. I actually had ball marks where my drive was in front of where my ball was, which is bizarre. Um, but when you're hitting the ball 275 off the tee, it's, it's not a problem, right? So um, oh. No, it was a good. It was a lot of fun. Shot. I think it was an eighty-nine at Dunes, like a low not ninety-three or ninety-four at, at Harbor Town, which again aren't good scores. But I felt like that ball striking, you know, on my Scotty Scheffler game. If I was hitting the ball mm -hmm. that well at a Muni, it would have been like a low eighty. So beautiful courses, beautiful time. Uh, to, it, it's worth the trip to any golf fans out there that are thinking about it. Yeah, what is that? What's that threshold where you're like, I'm consistently breaking this. I have a thought, but like. I'm consistently breaking this. My game has turned the corner to where like I legitimately not it's not that you look forward to playing golf, but that you have like an air of confidence when you like walk out there. What is it? Is it a score or is it more like a part of your game that you feel confident in? I actually don't think it's a score. And obviously this helps with translating course to course. But for me, I mean, I guess this is, is a single hole score, but I think I had one hole worse than a double bogey in 36 holes right so it was like even though i didn't score that well it's because i had a bunch of doubles but like that was it like i wasn't i picked up on like the first hole of the weekend because i just put two in the water and was like all right let's let's set a little, little bit but i think for me that's the biggest thing is just like you're finishing every hole you know i had a bunch of three putt bogeys that pissed me off when i was on in regulation but like the score is not the i think it's ball striking i still don't attack flags quite yet but like I'm just trying to get on the green anywhere. I kind of just hit it and pray and hope I have a, a close putt. Um, but that's the big one. Like when you're putting for birdie, I made none of them. I had, I probably had 10 pars, zero birdies on the weekend. But like when you oh, have man. a shot, to, when you have a shot to have one, it, it feels pretty good. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, I think that like mid eighties number, right. If you're breaking 85 pretty consistently, like, you know, that's, that's like good, you know, you're doing something right. Um, but I tend to agree with you that it's like, it's really that consistent ball striking because your short game, if you don't play a lot is going to be up and down, right? Like it just is. So if you have any sort of consistency from a ball striking standpoint, I remember when I used to play golf a lot, like I just felt so confident in my ability to hit irons. Like I would drive it kind of all over the place because I was trying to eke out as much power as I possibly could. But like I had so much confidence hitting an iron from anywhere. And that just gives you a ton of confidence. I will say this though, if you can have confidence in your short game, and I think it's a very hard thing to get because like you've got to play a lot, but I, I may have told the story. I was homeschooled uh, growing up. And so there was a period of time where I played golf from like 
8 a.m. to like 8 p.m. every single day. And, you know, you'd play a ton of rounds. But the other thing that we would do is we would play short game contests where you would chip, you know, you'd pick one club and you'd putt out with it as well. And we'd play for money. And I got so good. I felt like Wyndham Clark out there, like hitting lob shots, like over trees and like crazy, you know, skipping, bumping runs and like ridiculous. And that confidence going out on a golf course where you think you can hit a flop shot from anywhere and land it like right next to the flag. That is supreme confidence. Let me tell you that. I can imagine. I've never even attempted a flop shot. I think I would just blade it, you know, across the green and kill somebody. But um, yeah, like you said, that is the one again where it's like, unless you're going to a place and chipping up on a on a practice sim chipping place, whatever, just hit your long irons, hit your driver as as well as you can, and kind of let the rest fall into place. Um, but I will so I will say that too. We got paired up with one of the days with one of the assistant coaches for a college in Carolina, uh, which was awesome too. That there's nothing but play with a really good player. And it also changes your whole perspective because you're like, I would like to play one round like this guy in my entire lifetime, and, and I'd feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I, I played with um, – I used to play back again in the day um, with, like, the the teaching pros, and I was always so, – those guys are so good. And it's like they're just teaching pros. Like, they're not good relative to pros, but, like, you go out there and you're like, dude, you're so good at golf. Like <laughs> it's absolutely and these guys shoot, you know, they shoot low 70s and they'd be pissed off, you know. And yep. really they're just pissed. They, you know, they know they're not, you know, they're not going out there shooting 65, low 60s like the pros. But it's impressive to see like how good a teaching pro is at golf. And then you know that that person is like probably not even close to sniffing the tour. And that gives you a sense of like how good, you know, the actual, the actual pros are. It's insane. This we could we're not going to go too long, but we had a conversation. So again, look, obviously, I'm not going to argue like Aaron Donald versus you know an elite golfer. Like one just requires a physical skill set that is just rare. The difference between a casual golfer and a pro golfer, I think, is a bigger gap than like again, like I, I don't know, like me lining up in a three point stance. Like I get it's a hard thing to say, but like I. Dude, I think the best pro golfers on a good like are plus twelve. And what that means, like scratch means like you're shooting par, you know, seventy two fairly consistently, or those are kind of your better rounds. I guess is how handicaps work. But like, and then you got to remember, we're playing six thousand to sixty five hundred yard courses. They're adding a thousand more yards on top of that. Like at Harbortown, they had a tournament in May. We were there in June. The tee boxes weren't even there anymore. Like they'd graze them and they were like doing different, like they, they don't even exist for the, for the 11 months out of the year. Like they are, I think just people do not understand or appreciate how much better these guys are than, than even, like you said, even tour, uh, even course pros, I think are 15, 20 strokes behind these guys. Yeah. Wasn't, I think tiger played at like an eight. Like a plus, like a plus eight, eight. yeah. And I think people now say he probably was close for like a plus 12. I was reading a whole thread about it, yeah. I mean, it was insane. The dude go out and like the stories of playing casual rounds of golf with Tiger Woods are so insane. But I, I will push back just a little bit. I think we think that only because we can actually play golf, and so we have a concept of how bad we are. Like, if yeah. we could actually go out there and like. If there was a simulator somewhere where you could like try and block Aaron Donald, I think we would change our opinion like very, very quickly. Um, like if we Fair. could try to guard Steph Curry or like shoot, you know, 
20, 30 footers with, you know, an athlete guarding us, we might change our opinion. But uh, yeah, there are people out there that don't think golf is that hard and they're, they're nut jobs. All right. We have conspiracy corner coming up before that. Um, neither Brad or I are, are parents, but we've had great parents and we have an appreciation for parents that take care of their children. So as a, uh, a, a child of a parent, your top priority as a parent should be your children's well-being. You want to give them everything they need to grow and thrive both now and in the future. And one of the things that you can do is get them term life insurance from Fabric with Gerber Life to help protect your family so that the future is secure no matter what happens. And, you know, the world's kind of crazy out there. So, you know, it's it, probably a good time. Fabric was designed by parents or parents to help you get a surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy quickly and often in less than 10 minutes. I got to be honest with you, Brad. I've never considered getting term life insurance. I don't have children. But one of the things that I would assume is it takes like calling up some random old crusty person in an office somewhere, answering like a bazillion questions and then having no idea what you're getting. That is not the case here. Um, life insurance can have that bad rap for being complicated and all this stuff. Fabric makes it super duper easy. You, you download an app. It takes, as I said, less than 10 minutes. So take the steps to help protect your family today with Fabric from Gerber Life. Take the 60 second quiz to find out if term life insurance is right for you and apply today in just 10 minutes at meetfabric.com slash forecast again that's meet fabric m-e-e-t not m-e-a-t fabric.com slash forecast and uh go get yourself and your family in a better position policies issued by western southern life insurance company and distributed by gerber life agency llc using fabric technologies not available in certain states prices subject to underwriting and health questions for more information visit us at meetfabric.com slash forecast all right it is time for conspiracy corner so um, it's the off season, but that doesn't mean that ridiculous bets are not still being posted all over social media. The NBA draft is this, uh, is it, is it Friday? When is it Thursday? When is the draft? I think so. I think Thursday. Yeah. Thursday. That makes sense. Why would they do it on Friday? Anyways, um, the, the uh, first pick is not up for debate. It's, you know, uh, it's Wembyana, Wembyana, whatever the hell you say his last name. Um, he's like, you know, Minus two, 200,000 or whatever. And some, I forget which, uh, you know, Twitter account it was tweeted out, Hey, some person out there put 500 K on, you know, Wemby to go number one. If this better wins, he's going to win 30 bucks or she's going to win 30 bucks. And the topic for conspiracy corner here today, Brad, is whether these betters and these bets actually exist. Where do you lie? on this uh, ridiculousness. Yeah, it's a very fair question. I think even posting like 16 leg parlays is also kind of crazy. And it's like, hey, you know, here's a, you should try because this could be you. Like it's like showing the lottery ball winner on TV just to right. motivate you a little bit. But yeah, the thing is like, there's no, like who's going to challenge it? Someone's going to make up either a real or fake account and then tweet out saying, this was me, like I nailed it. You can just create a burner if you wanted to. And, and that way you'd be like, oh no, it's legit. This guy acknowledged it was him. I think I'll say this. Some are probably real. I bet there also have been some fabricated ones, some meat fabricated ones as well before. Um, and, and they're just not actual bets people are placing. The parlays make sense to me because I know, you know, from talking to people that run sports books, like there are, there's a large N size of people betting these parlays. 
So like, it makes sense to me that like someone every week is going to hit one. And guess what? It's really easy to, to find that person. Two reasons. That person is happy as hell. Okay. So they're going to, you know, they're going to share it. The other is obviously the books know they can reach out, you know, they can promote, they can make this guy feel great. The book's goal is to keep that money in DraftKings. So, you know, or, or Fandle, right? So, you know, they're reaching out, you know, to, to, to talk to them. So I can see that the parlays being something that exists. I don't understand who has 500K. So let's look at the universe of people. This is the thing. A $10 parlay is easy. In the universe of people that have $500,000 of liquidity to bet on sports, how many of them are dumb enough to put it on something that wins you like 50 bucks, like 200 bucks? Like, like that's the thing that I can't wrap my head around. Who are these people? Paint the picture of this person that is betting this. Like, who is this? That's what I want to know. I actually have a bullseye answer for you. That is a phenomenal point because A, those people wouldn't do it or they because they would put it elsewhere and make more money. But here's a hypothetical for you. This is a hypothetical person. All right. He's a big fan of a team. He dresses up in a costume. He looks like a wolf, right? He robs banks on the weekdays to go to games in Arrowhead on Sundays. He is Chiefsaholic. He's putting down some monster. That's who's placing these bets. It's Chiefsaholic and Chiefsaholic adjacent individuals. Uh, that that's who you got. The Chiefsaholic adjacent individuals. I I I cannot. I mean, for a guy that takes legitimate risks with his life, you know, to to just decide to risk his life on something as stupid as this, I would be so disappointed in Chiefsaholic for this. I have, I have a thought on who, on who this could be. So I'm actually going to take this back to golf, Brad. Having played a bunch of rounds of golf, you occasionally get paired with someone who is new to the game of golf. They're not very good. In fact, they're very bad, like very, very bad. This person is usually in their mid forties to, you know, early sixties, they clearly have a lot of money and they are playing golf because that's what you do with a lot of money. And they are the, they're not the type of person that's dipped their toe in. This person is playing with like a $10,000 set of clubs. Okay. This dude has like a one of, of 10 Scotty Cameron, a head cover you've never seen, right? He's got fully kid. This is the dude that is playing like the tiger woods, like little red tea in the, in the corner of the club set of clubs, right? He's, he's hitting blades. The dude has swung like under 107 irons in his entire life. Okay. And it is a nightmare. He's wearing, I mean, this is the type of person, the only, the only type of person, someone so stupid that they just spend money in ways that have a totally negative return. And what I mean by that is like the golf clubs this guy's playing with are legitimately making him worse. There's nothing about the gloves that he's using that are making him better. And it's the same as that type of bet. That's the only person that I've come across in life who I think could do this. And I don't even know if that type of person truly has like 500K because you can't be that big of a moron. I mean, I guess you could be, you just inherit it. But that's my, that's my conspiracy corner, rant corner. Here's one more option. I think this might be my best bet so far. Here's a, a picture. It's a very hypothetical picture again, all right? 
you're a bored multimillionaire, maybe billionaire, and you love history. You're very into the sea and the open ocean and the history of what's happened on that great expanse. And you say, I'm going to get a PlayStation remote and build a tube out of like plywood and hopes and dreams and spend a quarter of a million dollars to go look at the Titanic. That guy is placing some heavy money lines uh, on these things. That guy, I think, is your best bet. <laughs> That was too good. That was too good. That's it. That's it. I wonder if the person, the people that are down there in in the, uh, you know, hopefully, I don't know if they've been found or not at this point. So maybe this is the wrong thing to talk about. But do you think they brought their like one of one Scotty Cameron putter in the into the see the strokes camera? in like in the tube just just to like work on their their short game? I mean, I hope so. You got to do something to pass the time. Thoughts and uh... prayers. Hopefully you guys enjoyed Conspiracy Corner. That was a new uh, a new uh, segment. We'll keep trying it out. We love you all for hanging out with us and, and joining. Uh, if you have not, as I mentioned, join the Printing Press Discord. Do so. Join over a thousand other um, really smart individuals who have done so. We'll see you on there. We'll see you on here on Sunday evening. Enjoy the travelers. Peace.